Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Chrysell and Diane Duvernay are your hosts every week right here on AM 1290, FM 96.9, and streaming at 1290kzsb.com. We're repeated at 11 on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara, at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets, at Amatecito's Upper Village. And Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. How are you today? Well, first of all, welcome back to Santa Barbara. Why, thank you. Yes, I, I see I brought the humidity back with me from the East Coast. You sound like you're back from Boston. You you got your accent back. Oh, come on. No, you can never say that to anyone. <laughs> your accent himself. But anywho, we are thrilled. Let me introduce our guest. We have Kelly Knight with us, who's a broker associate at Village Properties and a recovering attorney. <laughs> Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you, Diane. I'm thrilled to be on the show with you and Neil. I know we've tried to uh, schedule this for a while, so I'm so happy we got to make it happen today. Thanks for being here with us. So, Neil, do we have any articles today? Yes, we do. There was an article today's Wall Street Journal. Um, that talks about some of the rule changes for IRA inheritance and actually 401k as well. Um, before the rule change, um, if you inherited a uh, IRA or a Roth IRA or a 401k, uh, that you as recipient could spread out those, those withdrawals over your lifetime. And in 2019, the IRA changed the rules, the IRS changed the rules and introduced a new payout rule that said you had 10 years in which to pay out the uh, uh, IRA into your, into your own account and pay the taxes on it. Uh, in February of this year, uh, the IRS changed that rule. In fact, uh, up until that point, uh, accountants were advising their clients to take the uh, uh, 10 years and take it the last day of the 10 years so you can defer the taxes. But the new rule said that you could uh, take, you need to take the uh, withdrawals uh, over the 10 year period uh, and uh, year, year after year, which meant that it was an accelerated payment. This is not including this spouses. Breaking news and very confusing. So initially, yeah. I, if I can just add a little bit of clarity on that, initially was you inherited the IRA and it didn't matter what, how you distributed it, but 10 years from the date of death of the, of the person that you inherited it from, the account had to be zero balanced out. Now what the IRS is saying is in fact, you do have to take a distribution every year. And at the end of 10 years, it has to be zeroed out. So instead of, as Neil pointed out, taking it all on the last day in, in that one year, which, which is helpful for people who are on that cusp of retirement to help manage the tax burden. However, now it is actually, you do have to take a distribution every year. And also at the end of 10 years, you need to have it zero balanced out. Yeah. And one of the things the article points out is that uh, whereas uh, as you get older and uh, take money from your own account, you're probably in a lower tax rate 
when you're a recipient of a gift, you could be in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, and therefore you're taking it at probably a very high rate. Years, correct? Yes. Yeah. So it's um, it actually is quite a blow um to what it used to be, and I think it's important and very confusing for people because if you're if you inherited an IRA pre rule change, so the rules went into effect January 1st, 2020, you take it on the old rules or the old um, table. So you, there's basically a calculation that you do to take whatever the distribution is over your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Now, with this new rule change, it's very confusing for people to have to make that distribution amount and figure out what that new table looks like and how much you do have to take out every year. The next article is, it would be really funny if it weren't for how serious the situation is. And the title of this article in uh, the New York Times was Crypto Companies Lay Off Risk and Compliance Staff. Uh, Coinbase and Gemini Trust, two companies that have had uh, problems uh, in the crypto area, uh, are cutting back because they have such financial stress uh, and what they're cutting back on is compliance specialists, as, as among other employees. And you know, you think about it. One of the problems is the uh, complications and and possible dishonesty in the crypto space. And here, c- companies that are getting into trouble are finding that compliance uh, and risk management is an expense that they could uh, eliminate to save money, which is really incredible decision making on their part. Frightening, actually. Uh, the next article is uh, entitled Junk Borrowing Slows to a Trickle. Um, and it is about, and we've talked about this before, companies with speculative-grade credit ratings have slowed their pace of borrowing. Uh, junk-rated companies, uh, that is, uh, companies that are rated by the rating agencies less than investment grade, uh, have raised $74 billion so far this year. Uh, versus a 300 billion during the last period. And um, what's happening is, of course, people are, uh, investors are getting concerned about the economy and therefore the risk inherent in adding a little bit of yield and taking on more risk with uh, less quality bonds. Um, and um, uh, what's, but however, what's interesting about this is that so far this year, uh, high yielding bonds have fallen 10% while investment grade bonds have dropped 14%. So while there's been a slowing in the issuance of, of junk borrowing, the actual spread between uh, junk and uh, investment grade has actually narrowed, which is sort of a paradox. And it's really, I think, hard to explain. It is a paradox. And I, I, I think people are getting spooked more than ever in all investment grade bonds or junk bonds, it doesn't matter, the bond universe is because it really has gone down in tandem with the stocks. So there really hasn't been a place to hide during this most recent market volatility. Uh, The next article is from the journal from our favorite columnist, Jason Swag. And what um, he's, and he's been writing about this subject for the last two or three months. And he's, he's writing about what, uh, how you can predict when the bear market is over. And what he does in this article is he talks about what people believe is a good indicator and how in the past it hasn't really worked. Um, And the first is 
uh, people say when retail investors panic and uh, begin to sell uh, uh, with abandon, that's a tip off that we're at about to turn. The trouble, as he said, is that it, in, in 1932, 74, 82, or, and 202, this just didn't work. Um, second, he said, is when the fear index, the VIX index, is uh, hits a high, that's also uh, a, a sign. And again, uh, when it when that happened, uh, the in October of 2008, the stock still fell right afterwards by 19. percent uh, The um, uh, the general conclusion here is that. Uh, there is no way to predict when the market is going to uh, turn, if in fact it does in the next you know few months or year, and uh, therefore trying to uh, time the market is is a fool's game. And, and basically, what he's concluding with is just you know stay the course, pick your investment vehicle, and 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 don't try to time a turn. Well, and and I would I agree with that wholeheartedly, especially in this new um, this new phase of, of where we're at. This is never before have we had two quarters of negative GDP growth with unemployment rates as low as they are and, you know, had a true recession. Normally, people think of a recession as really a ringing out and a lot of unemployed people. We are not there. And this will be a different type of recession if, in fact, we are in one. And the last article um, I find to be, um, you know, an indication of uh, where uh, sometimes the system runs amok. Uh, Charter Communications, which is a cable company, um, was involved in a in a murder when, uh, at least peripherally, when uh, one of their one of their uh, service persons, you know, uh, killed an 83 year old woman. Anyway, they had a trial of this, uh, and uh, Charter was found liable. Uh, for the employees killing of this 83-year-old woman and uh, ordered a payment of $7 billion. And, you know, this is another example of, uh, you know, punitive damages, uh, you know, going amok. And, you know, uh, obviously the trial judge will probably significantly reduce that, but it, it, it also, you know, feeds into the whole uh, belief system that, um, you know, the plaintiff's bar is sometimes... Uh, as irresponsible as some of the people that they're uh, litigating against. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. 
It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. If you're just joining us, you're in for a real treat. We have Kelly Knight, who is a broker associate at Village Properties with us today. Kelly, thank you again so much for being here. Thank you, Diane. It's a pleasure. So tell us, how did you get from the East Coast, you're originally from Maine to Santa Barbara, and what got you interested in real estate? Mm, that's a, a, a good question, Diane. Um, as you mentioned, I did um, I do hail from the state of Maine and uh, got my business degree from Bucknell University back when dinosaurs were still roaming the earth. And- oh, come on, you can't say that when you with us. <laughs> But as I was really, you know, looking at different career opportunities, I decided to pursue uh, a law degree. So that brought me out to the West Coast. And um, I moved to Santa Barbara in 1988 and uh, started a law career specializing in business and real estate litigation. So I did, I pursued that for about 15 years and really enjoyed uh, the folks that I worked with. It was a fabulous career. But in 2005, Diane, you may appreciate this. My son was five and uh, the firm I was with was undergoing a merger with a very large national firm. And um, so my, my career aspirations, um, perhaps changed, you know, in those 15 years. So I I started to think, you know, what is my real passion? And it's always been real estate. Um, I enjoy doing real estate projects, flip and fixes. And uh, Santa Barbara is just such an absolutely beautiful place to um, explore new neighborhoods and different styles of architecture. So seemed just like the right time to make a career change. Well, and it's true in Santa Barbara, you know, I feel like it's the one place where everyone talks about real estate all the time, whether you own a house or whether you want to own a house and don't yet. It's it's the, it's a topic of conversation that is had here, like no place else. I feel like. 
I think that's very true. And uh, we work with such a sophisticated clientele here as well. So not only does the natural beauty, the discrete neighborhoods, the architecture make it interesting, but um, you know, the people that live here, the deep sense of community that we have um, just make it a lot of fun as well. So I feel very blessed that I've um, been able to enjoy not just one, but two great careers in our lovely community. So since you've been in real estate, you know, since 2005, what changes have you seen? Because, you know, in the last 10 years, I feel like the real estate market here has really dramatically changed. And Neil, I'm kind of stealing your thunder. This is usually your question, but it used to be, <laughs> you know, firm was first and then the individualized brokers or agents would be listed, listed second, whereas things have completely flopped where now people are, are more marketing themselves as opposed to the the broker that you're with. How do you think that, why do you think that's changed and do you think it's a good thing? I think it's, I think it's a very good thing. Um, and it's really a reflection of the internet. You know, it has changed the business dramatically. In the old days, real estate uh, was practiced through an MLS book. It was about the size of a dictionary and it would be published, um, you know, every month and new listings would come out in this booklet. And so the information was held very, very tight to the vest for um, individual agents, as well as the brokerages. With the internet, uh, all of that information became readily accessible to buyers and sellers alike. Um, I would expect that it's similar to what you've seen in the finance world where people now like to get on the internet and maybe do some of their own um, portfolio management. Same thing with real estate. Buyers and sellers really like to have that information. So it's also allowed individual agents to harness the power of the internet, get their message out in a um, in a, a better, more concise fashion. Uh, the the work of real estate, I think, like like most industries, has just um, tripled, quadrupled in its pace. We do a lot more in a week than. Uh, was probably done in a month before because of advances in technology. And so when when you when you talk about that, there's been um, in real estate in Santa Barbara specifically, given that it you know real estate is such a relationship based um, business, much much like financial advisors, but you know, you are definitely helping people make very emotional decisions. And how do you think that that has played a part in, you know, really elevating the individual agents over the brokerage firms? Well, I, I want to be clear. A strong broker is very, very important to the success of really any individual agent. Most agents are still affiliated with a brokerage. Um, it's just now those individual agents may have the name recognition together with their brokerage. 
A brokerage provides, you know, a blanket uh, coverage for um, protection of clients uh, for certain types of, of advertising that are very difficult to do um, on an individual basis. So, so I just want to be clear that um, what's so interesting about this time in real estate is that we have um, the ability to expand market reach on an individual level, but yet still harness the power that comes from a brokerage like Village Properties with whom I'm affiliated, who's done 20 billion in sales um, in the last 20 years. So uh, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but I'm happy to unpack that more. But but has there been a uh, a change in the payouts uh, because the marquee brokers can demand more from their brokerage firm and therefore increase their uh, percentage of a commission? That's an interesting question, Neil. And my answer to that is high producing uh, productive agents have always had the ability to negotiate a higher uh, split. I think that's what you're asking about um, during any, any time in the market. So as they always say, um, 90% of the business is done by 10% of the agents in this town. And if you're in that coveted 10% group, then you do have a power to negotiate. So um, so I, I don't think that that's changed unless you're talking about brokerages like a Keller Williams, for example, that operate on a whole different business model. Um, my experience is with a full service brokerage. So that's what I'm most comfortable talking about. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. The Community Emergency Response Team, also known as the CERT program, educates people about disaster preparedness and trains them in basic disaster response skills. With more information about this volunteer program, here's Liliana Encinas. With the CERT volunteers, we have emergency operations volunteers, and then we have instructor volunteers for CERT, and they're pretty engaged. I just think that it's very rewarding because volunteers, they're kind of like one of the best resources we have out there because they're familiar with the community that we want to serve and they're also familiar with the program. So they kind of serve as that liaison between the agency and the community and it's just such an altruistic way of being part of the community. To learn more about the Community Emergency Response Team, also known as CERT, call Liliana at 805-564-5778. 805-564-5778. 
Mark Giles here with an invitation to join me and all the gang for the Mike in the Morning Show right here on AM 1290. I'll be doing my nonprofit profile features that highlight nonprofit organizations in our community. Plus, you'll get extensive traffic, weather, and local news from Mike in the Morning himself, news of California and the West from Ben Hayes, along with commuter info and safety tips from Donnie Risden. It's the Mike in the Morning Show on KZSB AM 1290, the station that talks a lot about Santa Barbara. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And you can reach us at 805-564-1290 or email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So Kelly, uh, we were talking about the state of the real estate brokerage business before uh, the break. However, let's transition into, you know, what's the state of the real estate market in general now in Santa Barbara? Things have been moving quickly. The pandemic had has really made, you know, the market take off. So let's talk about where we're at right now. Absolutely. So that's a great question. And it's something that's really on people's mind. And as a, just to put a framework around this, the market really shifted dramatically starting in June of 2020. Um, We called that, at first it was called the COVID market, uh, but then we started to call it a seller's auction market where sellers really had the upper hand in marketing their homes There's that saying that all ships float in a rising tide. I believe that's how that goes. And it's certainly true for real estate. So regardless of location, condition, sellers had an upper hand. There were more buyers coming into the market than there were uh, was inventory. And so that creates a seller's market. And that market lasted until a few months ago, June of 2022. And that market is more or less finished now. We're now transitioning into a new, more normalized market, which we believe is uh, healthy and good for both buyers and sellers. Sellers still have an upper hand right now in in this new market. We still are seeing um, more buyers looking for homes than we have inventory, but there are some real uh, signs of a market shift that we can point to. And those are, we're seeing more homes coming available for sale. Inventory is rising. Homes are taking longer to sell. In the past, we would get homes under contract usually within five days. Now a home may be on the market for up to 30 days. Now, historically, that is not a long time to be marketing a home. So um, that's why I'm saying we're still in a seller's market, but things are changing. We're also seeing a lot more price reductions, probably about 30% of homes are having to make price improvements. And we're also seeing mortgage applications drop, 
with the increase in interest rates that uh, we saw in June, you know, we did lose a lot of buyers because of that. And so when, when you look when you look at um, a buyer in Santa Barbara or Montecito, um, there are obviously, you know, mega buyers, uh, but let's ignore them for a minute. And let's look at, you know, what I would call middle or upper middle class housing, which is, let's say, two to five million dollars. And I'm thinking whatever interest rates are uh, to buy a house for two to five million dollars for a working person that may have two kids is impossible. It's, you know, when I was growing up, you know, and it was like, if you could afford a million dollar house, you were rich. So who are these people that are coming in with a couple of kids and, you know, they're buying what they say is a fixer upper for $3 million. I mean, how can they afford that? That's a great question, Neil. Uh, and it's there's no broad stroke to answer it, but I can give you some examples. There is, and and Diane may be able to chime in on this as well. What we saw in the past two years are a number of different things, a paradigm shift in how we work. That is huge. Um, folks who are... Uh, living in Santa Barbara are able to secure jobs in the Bay Area, in Seattle, in New York, continue to live in Santa Barbara, but make a big city salary. That's a game changer for many folks. Another thing we're seeing is a lot of um, wealth transition within families because of uh, some of the changes in inheritance and different things. Um, we're seeing a lot of younger families uh, uh, receive gifting from either their parents or their grandparents that have helped them get into a home. And I can tell you that's always been the case in Santa Barbara where parents are oftentimes helping their adult children with the down payment. Generally speaking, they can cover the mortgage. It's the down payment that is the tricky part for many folks. So, um, and also there's a lot of folks that have done well with startups. Um, they've, they came into this market with strong equity positions and diversified that into real estate. So those have really been the three primary drivers that have helped the, the younger family, Neil, that you've identified um, be able to purchase a home here, you know, combined with historically low interest rates. So up until this point, Kelly, we I had been hearing that many of the transactions were all cash, whether the buyers had an all cash offer and then refinanced after the fact or not. Um, are we seeing that piece dry up or are we still in an all cash offer situation? It's still a little early to say definitively, but looking at um, the trend, every week my office meets, we go over new listing sales. We discuss whether a property received multiple offers, whether it was all cash, the winning offer. 
Um, and we're seeing fewer all cash offers. At one point in the market, we were up to maybe 60% of all purchases were done with cash. Uh, now I'd say we're probably down to about 30%. There's still a remarkable amount of cash in the market. Um, make no mistake about that, but we are seeing that trend decline. Do, do you think the fact that you're an attorney and you're obviously very well-spoken helps you with successful people? Um, you're not the stereotypical salesperson that's, you know, uh, going to, you know, uh, buy people a latte and be very friendly. You sound like, you sound like an attorney. You sound like somebody that, you know, is very wise and very sophisticated in this kind of marketplace. Is that helpful? Well, that's, it's, it's never easy to toot your own horn nail, but thank you for, uh, for those kind words. Um, my business, historically speaking, you know, in 2008, we saw a really dramatic market shift. And um, interestingly, my business accelerated during that time, I think, for the reasons that you're saying, Neil, um, both buyers and sellers were looking more for a trusted advisor as opposed to maybe someone that could get them tickets to a Laker game. Not saying I can't do that, but that's not what I promote. Um, so, so it's, it's definitely been helpful. I think it um, is really comes in handy, especially with issue spotting. There are so many nuances to our real estate here. We're not a subdivision community. And by that, I mean, a lot of our parcels were created, you know, they're old Spanish land grants. So title to property is interesting. Access is interesting. Water is very interesting. Um, neighborhoods, school districts, all of that plays a role in where a buyer, you know, wants to put down roots and call home. So having, um, having the breadth of experience that I have and the network that I have is a real value add for my clients. One of the, one of the shocks when I came here 23 years ago was when I went to the title company and they were showing me the title, they pulled out a yellow pad and the subdivision, not subdivision, whatever it was, the plat was done on a, on, with a pen and pencil by somebody years ago. And I said, you gotta be kidding. Is this it? And they said, that's it. That's your, <laughs> I said, I'm that's no your... longer, I'm no longer in New York. Uh, <laughs> right. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9. And we'll be right back. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work. <laughs> I get it. You're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60, two over 50, one over 40. One more if you're not physically active. Another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes. Another if you've got high blood pressure. 
If you're overweight, raise another finger. Two, if you're very overweight. And three, if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio pre-diabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Coming up Saturday and Sunday, August 6th and 7th, it's the Fiesta Pancake Breakfast at the Veterans Memorial Building, 112 West Cabrillo Boulevard. Here's Drew Wakefield. We've got the pancake and bacon breakfast. That's a fundraiser for the veterans, 7.30 to 12, 7.30 to 12 on Saturday and Sunday. It's sponsored by the Santa Barbara American Legion Post 49 and with the help of the Santa Barbara Elks Veterans Project, 7.30 to noon, Saturday and Sunday, only $10. I'm going to be down there, maybe cooking a little bit, maybe flipping some pancakes. John Primetime, Paul Monterey will be down there. A lot of local celebrities will be down there supporting the veterans 7:30 to 12 7:30 to 12 on Saturday and Sunday only $10 It's the Fiesta Pancake Breakfast at the Veterans Memorial Building 112 West Cabrillo Boulevard this coming Saturday and Sunday 7:30 a.m. to 12 noon only 10 bucks for all the pancakes you can eat Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks could only dream about. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So Kelly, you know, as the Fed continues to raise interest rates, its most recent raise was 75 basis points just last week. How is that or is that cooling off the real estate market locally? That's a great question, Diane. Uh, It's definitely having an effect on, um, you know, the lower to mid-range segment of the market. What's important, though, to keep in mind, a buyer with good credit can still secure a historically low rate. Something around four and a half is still available. And, um, you know, I bought my first house in 1992 and my mortgage rate was 12%. Uh, Folks forget that, um, you know, that's, that used to be the cost of borrowing money. and we've been in an extremely low interest rate environment for at least 10 years. So, um, you know, a lot of buyers, younger buyers especially, aren't used to seeing those numbers. But um, what, we're, what we're telling folks is, you know, marry the house, don't marry the rate. There will be an opportunity to refinance down the road, hopefully. Um, that's what's being predicted. So... It's a shift. It's a shift right now. But uh, historically, real estate has um, been a strong appreciator here in Santa Barbara County. So it's still a great place to put your money. Do you think, though, it will have effects on the asking price? Is that why we're seeing, you know, the 30 percent price reductions or was it just seller greed to see or I shouldn't say greed seller hoping to get a better price? Why why are we seeing those price reductions? Do you think it's directly linked to the interest rate increase? That's it's complicated to say yes or no. 
what's happening is we are literally week by week in the middle of a shift. So of course, just with borrowers having to adjust their mindset on what constitutes a low interest rate, sellers are having to also realize that the old market is over and they can't expect to receive multiple offers on their property that are 10 to 15% over their ask price. That's a complicated conversation to have with some sellers, um, you know, and some still want to test the market. So since we are right in the middle of this shift, we're still seeing, you know, that work out. Um, ironically, the lower segment of the market, and by that I mean a million five and under, is still extremely robust. The fact that interest rates have gone up has maybe knocked out some buyers, but we still have very, very low inventory. So supply is still very low. Demand isn't quite as high as it was because of buyer affordability, but it, we're still in seller market territory and uh, still seeing multiple offers on um, the lower end of the market. Are you finding it uh, difficult uh when someone comes to you and says, I can't believe what I'm seeing my house value um, on Redfin, uh, I'd be glad to sell it, but I need to buy something else. Is there any arbitrage here? Is there any way to stay in the community or are the only people selling are moving or going to Casa de Rinder? I mean, what? How do you how do you take advantage of these high prices and still stay here? That is a great question, Neil, and it's one of the factors that has kept inventory very low. Santa Barbara is a very desirable place to live. So unless you have a reason to leave the area, and some people some people do, they want to be closer to family that live in another state. Some move for tax reasons, some move for a job. Um, those folks have been able to take advantage of the market. But if you want to remain in Santa Barbara, um, it's it's been tricky. The folks that I've seen really make great use of the market are the ones that made a move a year ago. And they were able to sell a more uh, entry-level home and buy up into something more expensive and leverage uh, low interest rate borrowing, maximize the sale of their uh, existing home, you know, and get into their forever property, lock in a 30 year interest rate at, uh, you know, two and a half percent. So those folks probably never leave now that they've got their forever home locked in at a really low rate. So so how important is the insurance uh, increase uh, affecting the, at least the high end? In Montecito, there are people that are facing uh, the prospect of self-insuring uh, for very expensive houses. Are people who are looking in the high end uh, just don't care? They're going to self-insure or are they going to pay six figures in property insurance? They certainly do care, but it's 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 been a factor since 
2018, when we experienced the debris flow, we're seeing more insurers come into the market now. Uh, California Fair Plan is taking up some of the slack, but you're right, Neil, a lot of folks, um, high net worth individuals are choosing to self-insure. Our hope is that in the next year or two, we'll see more uh, providers come back into California. So given the rapid rise, you know, I'll, I'll call it the COVID rise in um, real estate prices, you know, have you seen that the buy and flip play is actually over or are people still able to capitalize on that? Again, difficult to generalize. I would say the buy and flip is not for the amateur right now. You have to really know what you're doing. Uh, have your, have your, um, your process ready to go. I think it's a much more risky time to be doing that. But there are certain folks who are really well uh, established and still able to make um, make a flip work. So looking forward, are you are you seeing that maybe it could turn to a seller's market or at some point in the future? I mean, a buyer's market. I'm guessing. That's okay. Yes, yes, that's okay. <laughs> I wish I had a crystal ball to answer that question. My my sense is not anytime soon. And that is primarily because after 2008, as a nationwide, we really pulled back on buying, uh, pardon me, building new homes. So we have a huge shortage of new home, of a shortage of available homes in this country. Of course, in Santa Barbara, we have the overlay of just being so re restricted land-wise between our mountains and our ocean. So, you know, unless land use regulations change dramatically, I it, it will take a very long time in a lot of building before we will come out of the deficit that we're in right now in terms of the available uh, housing inventory in this country and certainly in Santa Barbara. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9. And believe it or not, we'll be right back with our final segment. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite 
invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. When I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So Kelly, as you represent both buyers and sellers in the um, housing transaction world, have you been able to identify anywhere in in the purchasing process, so on the buyer side, where you think people could save money? Uh, that's an interesting question, Diane. Um, this may sound self-serving, but hiring a really knowledgeable, connected agent will save buyers money in the long term. Um, an agent who is well-respected in the real estate community and has the connections will help a buyer get their offer accepted. And How does that matter when you are on the other side? So when you're representing the seller and you get 15 offers, then so and you- much, so <laughs> much, absolutely so much. Um, I've worked, you know, hard for 18 years to develop a relationship as a closer I'm, uh, you know, tenacious, yet polite, fair, and I get deals done. So when I'm on the listing side, I'm looking for an agent who has those same qualities, you know, and that's assuming that everything else is, is level. Um, we certainly do, do discuss the strengths of the agents who are representing the buyers. It matters a a great deal. And so in, in that same kind of vein of it matters, how, how do you go about um, getting listings? Because obviously as a real estate professional, when you actually have the listing, you're assured that you're you're going to make the deal as opposed to just make offers. 
Well, you know, in different markets, you're not always assured that you can sell a home. Sometimes a market is shifting and a seller's unwilling to uh, lower a price. Um, you know, that's it's it's not always a slam dunk, but overall, it does put you in the driver's seat to be on the listing side. You definitely have more control over the process. And I've been very fortunate to be able to leverage my legal career and my connections in, um, in during that career to work with uh, sellers going through a lot of transitional events, whether that means... Um, you know, there was a death in the family and adult uh, children need to sell a home. A couple is divorcing, there's co-owners and there's a dispute. So that's always been the backbone of my business. And then of course, um, I've been able to leverage other networking connections, friends, family, being heavily involved in the community has also um, been a great uh, way to show people how I work and um, and has garnered me many referrals over the years. And so, uh, Kelly, Kelly Knight, thank you so much. Um, thank you for uh, being here. Thank you for being a, one of the top brokers in town uh, at Village at Village Properties. Uh, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs>